<laughs> All right. It's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are just tuning in right now, CA is not herself. <laughs> Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators. With the occasional side quest for a flashlight and a groundhog. My name is Fenwald Griswick. I'm Chaotic Anarchy. And I am TK. Oh, listen to the sound <laughs> of your voice. It's so sad. CA is on the mend. She was uh, ill recently, but she is getting better. So uh, we're, we're rooting for Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good. <laughs> My kidney thanks People you. We're going to try and keep this one short. TK, I need you to limit the lore of the Superman <laughs> universe to about 10 minutes. Can you uh, do it in yeah, 10 minutes? Uh, we did lore last time. It's mechanics. Mechanics are pretty quick in Shadowrun. Oh, okay. No, you guys take your time. <laughs> uh, mechanics are actually the shortest part of that whole game. It's really clunky. Just if you... Well, you hear, you hear CA weeping yes. in the background. That's because you've, you've gone too long. <laughs> Got it short. Yes, I cannot promise no type of bodily function will appear on this podcast. I apologize now. <laughs> One kidney down. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start off with uh, our game mechanics section. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, tea time, our regular... Sh- Segment where we do some trivia, and then after that, we'll do uh, what's in the box, and then what's, the uh, box? what's coming up. That felt good. DK, <laughs> start us off. Hey, uh, Tell me about Shadowrun. I knew nah, nothing. The, Shadow uh, the mechanics, as, as I actually told someone who recently picked up 5th edition, the easiest thing to do, go out and uh, don't use tabletop loot dice for this. They are good, but you'll go bankrupt. <laughs> Pick up a bunch of Chessex dice and uh, fill up a pillowcase. And you have enough dice now. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> All D6s. Wow. The entire game is D6? The entire game is D6 based. <laughs> wow. That's weird. And How is that possible? Uh, it's a lot of... So uh, D&D has math. This is hardcore math because there's uh, critical failure, failure, success... Success with advantage and critical success. Okay. What is critical? So critical success is like, what, a six? Hitting a six. (laughs) But you have to hit a six 30% higher than the total dice you roll. Oh, it's a percentage game. So if you roll 10 dice and you get four sixes, that's a critical success. As long as you don't roll as many ones. Okay. I get it. Is that similar to like Call of Cthulhu? Because they do percentages too, right? Kind of. The the Call of Cthulhu more percentages is you have to roll below your base stat of something. Mm-hmm. With Shadowrun, you want to roll above your your base stat is how many dice you roll. So let's say uh, you have a 10 in body and you want to punch somebody. Mm-hmm. But you're using brass knuckles, which give you a plus two. So now you're going to roll 12 dice to see first, are you successfully able to punch them? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to roll your damage, which is additive 
based off of the weapon you're using plus your scores and any special skills you have for your dice pool. So if you have body, you take boxer as a skill which gives you plus six, and then the knuckles do uh, four points, which is four d6, you're going to roll a bunch of dice and then add all that up to find out how much damage you do. Wow. Could you imagine if you were, like, if you had a 12 body and then you rolled 12 dice and came up with a 12? No, I bet not. Jeez. <laughs> You punch a piece of paper and you're like, I broke my head. Critical, those, those kind of critical failures are called quote unquote glitches. You have a, it's up to DM. It's an optional rule. DM can make you re-roll it. Uh, our DM did not follow that rule. If you glitch, you suffer just like a nat one. But Shadowrun has rules for glitches, such as, oh, uh, you have a piece of cybernetics. It malfunctions and you go, you suffer cardiac arrest now. Don't hate your game master. Rerolls are bad for ratings, and that's a that's a well established fact. <laughs> it, it's a lot of clunky, but when you get into the core mechanics of just what you can build, uh, somebody on Twitter put it best. You can put Keanu Reeves from The Matrix at being John Wick with being able to slow down time and shoot people, and at the same time he's having a cup of coffee. <laughs> Interesting. Because the mechanics allow that level of craziness. <laughs> like in, when we ran it on the Threadators channel, Adam built a TARDIS off 36 critical successes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he rolls. Like, that's 36 sixes. Yes. Like, um... <laughs> As a GM, that rarely happens. It's a statistical anomaly, so the GM has to figure out what awesome thing are you getting. What can you do with a TARDIS? Do you just wander back and forth through time? Yes. Yep, essentially, yeah. Destroy the Game Master's life. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, it, the TARDIS actually is statted in Shadowrun as the phone box. <laughs> <laughs> it is a item that should not exist according to the rules itself says. This item should never be used. You put it in a game, people are going to use it. <laughs> I think that's best. Manipulating time in any sort of role-playing game has got to be one of the worst things that you can do to a GM. Yes. Mm, I mean, I've added it in my campaigns. I enjoy it, but I like a lot of complex things, though. Not, not that my players ever manipulated time and this undid half the stuff they already did. <laughs> <laughs> All that goodwill you've earned, you guys just undid it with one spell. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I can't Put it imagine. back in the egg. <laughs> Thanks, PC. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> so what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? The craziest thing I've ever seen in Shadowrun was a game I was in. Uh, it does have magic. Magic, the mechanics of that, basically you have uh, what are called spirit points. Mm-hmm. And that determines your essence. If your essence is low, if it drops to one, you are overtaken by whatever took your essence. Like you're overtaken by magic, you're overtaken by tech, which pretty much means you're a sociopathic serial killer. <laughs> Imagine Dexter with magical powers. Oh. Like Dexter meets Voldemort. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, we had someone who we were in a city surrounded by bugs. Their uh, negative attribute was they hated bugs. So she took and essentially made a nuke with a fireball. 
in the middle of the city. And I was on the outskirts of the city. This is perfect for you. <laughs> and we had to figure out how big it was. The I'm playing with a bunch of engineers. So she figured out it would be uh, 2.64 miles wide. <laughs> I was on the outskirts of town. It heated enough that the, the amount of heat that it put off was that of a nuclear explosion. <laughs> My character's arm got fried. Oh, no. <laughs> so did you become armless? Yeah, for a good bit of the sessions, I I was one armed uh, oh, hitter <laughs> because the, the, this was back in Shadowrun Third Edition where there were no rules on what to happen when you lost a limb. No, but the amount of dice she had to roll, we all had to loan her dice, and she had to re-roll some of them because her magical score was twenty three. Oh, plus her magical knowledge of thirty six. And then the fact that she was casting it and using what's called Edge, Mm -hmm. which is like a boon or inspiration. She was using all six of her Edge, which multiplies your dice pool by six. Oh, jeez. Like, (laughs) 20 minutes of her rolling to figure out she did enough damage (laughs) that the GM stopped counting. (laughs) I bet. He's like, look, he's like, I stopped counting 15 minutes ago. Um, you leveled the city. I hope you're happy. So did they make this like RPG so that you could play it online and it would be easier? Or they really expected you to use all these dice? They expected you to use all these dice. It <laughs> came out in 1986. <laughs> I can't imagine that. That's so funny. <laughs> and there, there are tools now to make it easier. But mm-hmm. back in the day, it was you needed graphing paper or graphing calculator. And someone really good with figuring out specific percentages of things it's like okay if you uh, take this skill you get 12 percent boost to this attribute i'm not entirely sure that i could play an rpg that requires a slide rule (laughs) (laughs) without the abacus i I, i've never gone to an rpg session where i've needed a laptop that has like you know a spreadsheet program so that i could keep track of my own dice (laughs) We we got creative back then. When we first started playing, we got a uh, we had an old Apple II. We programmed a dice roller onto it. Oh jeez! So I was like, whoever turn it was, when we were rolling. It's like, okay, go to the computer and hit roll. TK, if you're trying to win the nerd out, you you bested me <laughs> with pillowcase full of dice. All right, it doesn't get any better than that. I have one in my garage. It's called my dice jail. A pillowcase filled with dice? Why have I not seen such things? Because his wife won't let him bring it out. This should be like an Instagram thing. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I, I tried bringing them out, Vera thought they were treats and like, chomped like two oh, of the dice. No. She like got her head full in and was like, I want these. Like, oh God, no. <laughs> Vera, always in trouble. It should be like, you know, Instagram of Vera. <laughs> Oh, that's cute. You know what? Uh, I've seen Twitch channels where uh, people put their pets onto Twitch, and while they're gaming, the pet is doing whatever the pet does, and maybe that could be a thing. You know, <laughs> she'd be at Vera Dice Eater on Twitch. That'd be watch that'd Vera be amazing. Sleep. Oh, I would watch that. I'd be there. I'd be a fan. No, you could carve little chunks of meat into dice-shaped cubes and then hand them off to her. I think that'd be that perfect. would be awesome. 
Yes. So wow. now I, I have to do this. I was just going to say they should make squeaky toys of D20s for puppies. I'm working on that, actually. I got a uh, D20 mold. <laughs> I have. It's technically for a chocolate, but I realized that the mold release that I could use on it that's still food safe, I could actually use rubber. TK, you are not allowed to accept any more projects, okay? <laughs> this is a Mandy thing. I want you to hand this off to Mandy. That's why you got married, all right? <laughs> we share. We share in family. The list must be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a scroll that unrolls for like three days. <laughs> it's the Elder Scroll. You look at it like, why doesn't it end? <laughs> And I would read every single word. And that must be such an amazing document. <laughs> it's promo time. This episode of the Thread Raiders podcast is brought to you by the letters Q and Umlaut. This episode is also sponsored by Tabletop Loot, the best place on the web to find quality gaming accessories for your D&D, Pathfinder, Fate, or whatever TTRPG you happen to love is, game. Sure, that's English. They also have mugs, dice jails, and other great miscellany. And if you use the code THREADRAIDERS at checkout, you will receive a discount off your entire order. I find it hard to believe you're going to find a better deal than that. Visit TabletopLoot.com today to check out their great selection of gear. Tabletop Loot, loot for every table. This episode is also sponsored by Founders Coffee. There are only so many hours you get to spend alive here on this planet. Now, for some of you, the afterlife grants you your own planet. So for you, my concern for your lost time will seem pedantic. But for the rest of you, spending countless hours standing in line at the local coffee shop or even worse, in line at one of the five buildings that all have the exact same franchise coffee shop directly across the street from the train station, simply does not make sense. That's why there's Founders Coffee. Roasted beans simply taste better with a little bit of patriotism. Proudly packaged right here in the U.S. of A., you haven't truly woken up until you've downed a cup of their Old Glory Medium Blend Roast. Set your coffee maker timer for Reveille, set your sights on www.founderscoffee.us, and set yourself up with a bag or two of coffee so good, it'll raise your flag in the morning. Founders Coffee, patriotic to the last drop. And now, back to our show. Yay, tea time! time. The portion of our show where we check the so-called facts from the underside of a popular beverage tea brand, who shall remain nameless, uh, your options will be true, false, or huh. I will read each fact to you and then wait for your response. Everybody ready? I'm yep. ready. All right. Snapcap fact number 21. Peaches are members of the almond family. What? You mean they're part of the almond family? What? Like, it's a peach, though. I want to say true because it sounds so weird. Why? No. Why could this be? Because the weird stuff tends to be true. <laughs> but, but why? But I've never heard it before. It just seems right. No. What do you mean it just seems right? No, it doesn't. Have you ever had an almond in your mouth? No. I, I, Chocolate-covered almonds are amazing. But peaches? They're not like, how could this be? Why would they say that? 
Do you think there are chocolate-covered peaches out in the world? Hell yeah. I mean, there's chocolate-covered bacon. There has to be a chocolate-covered <laughs> peach true. out there. I've, I've had chocolate-covered bacon. There are chocolate-covered peaches yeah. that are a bit weird. They're really sweet. They make this amazing bacon jam, but I digress because we're talking about peaches. But that's so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> On your toast in the morning, yes. Peach and bacon jam. Almond peaches. <laughs> I want to say no. No. All right. And the answer is true. No, it's not true. <laughs> what? It's like a nut. It's a nut. <laughs> and a peach is not a nut. Uh, the family is Rosaceae, uh, which includes 4,828 species, including apples, pears, apricots, raspberries, loquats, and, of course, almonds. Ex-nay on the Rosaceae. For what it's worth, technically, peaches and almonds are part of the rose family, if you wanted to get the nomenclature right, but I'm not going to get that particular with this particular fact. I'd kick this napkin. <laughs> <laughs> Be gone with you. Snapcat fact number 689. The Roadrunner chases after its prey at a blurring speed of up to 25 miles an hour. Just 25? I thought they'd be faster. I want to say true. Thinking back to your Warner Brothers days? I was actually thinking, because I looked up Roadrunners once, I wondered if they were a real bird. (laughs) I can confirm that Roadrunners are real birds. Are there a lot of different types of Roadrunners? There are several species of Roadrunner, um, four to be precise, hmm. similar to kangaroos, uh, the fastest of which is the Greater Roadrunner. That really sounds like a town somewhere in Nebraska. And they don't really fly either, right? Greater Roadrunner, Nebraska? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no. They, they got a diner called Mel's and nothing <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the entire town. Roadrunners don't really fly, right? Roadrunners do not fly. They run roads. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that really all they do? Why do they run the roads? <laughs> because who needs to fly when you can they're, run that fast? They're like, you know, the Department of Transportation. Is that why they're uh, called ro- Oh, I get it now. Is that why they're called Roadrunners? <laughs> because they don't fly? <laughs> oh, That's boy. really cute. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Said, it's just too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would like to reiterate that CA is under the weather today and that if this is your first time listening, this is not representative of who she is as a person. Just go back a couple episodes, start there. Yes. I'm going to say it's true. I think they All could right. run 25 miles per hour. And the answer is false. I hate my oh. life. Once again, I would love to thank uh, www.speedofanimals.com <laughs> for reminding us that the greater roadrunner, the fastest of all the roadrunner species, can only maintain 20 miles an hour, not 25. Uh-huh. Um, all of the reports of them running at 25 or 26 miles an hour are anecdotal and unverified and are based on drunken idiots driving down the road next to a roadrunner in a pickup truck trying to also look at their speedometer. <laughs> that's why that, that that person should be the passenger the sober guy should be in the the driver's seat so the drunken guy can look at the speedometer snapcat fact number 1219 pat nixon was the first first lady to wear pants in public like i like want to say f- false Ooh. 
DK, do you know of another first lady who may have been... Uh... Jackie Onassis. Oh, he sounds so confident. Ooh. I'm thinking back to pictures I've so seen. So confident. Liking the, liking the confidence there, DK. Now I feel like I have to say that it's true. Now I'm starting to worry about my research. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> now I think it might be false. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I'll stick with TK. Huh. All right. And the answer is false. Son of a bitch. No, you got it right. Oh, I got it right. Yeah. <gasps> yes, Yay! <laughs> Please forgive me, everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's the president questions. They always throw us for a loop. <laughs> we need Joy for those because she did all the research. Aww. That's right. Joy, I love you. So uh, the idea that women had legs was absolutely appalling mm. to Americans prior to uh, 1880, specifically November the 7th, when Lucy Hayes, first lady to Rutherford B., uh, was asked to descend into a mine shaft for publicity purposes. Uh, there was a great deal of fear that on her way down the mine shaft, her dress may have been gotten caught in the machinery and she would have been killed, so she was forced to wear pants. <laughs> the photograph that they took of her and the miners was so scandalous that it was tucked away in the archives of the Rutherford B. Hayes uh, uh, gear that was taken out of the White House after his uh, presidency came to an end, uh, that it wasn't found for another 100 years. <laughs> it's like, look, people. What they're saying is pretty much people don't have legs. <laughs> <laughs> women, women weren't allowed to have legs until the 1880s. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Pat Nixon was actually the fifth first lady to wear pants in public. Uh, Lou Hoover, who was number three on the list, was an avid horseback rider uh, who refused to do side saddle, and so thus she wore pants on multiple occasions in public and was well known as such. Fun fact, the first president to put on pants was George Washington. <laughs> well, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, he, the, the, he wasn't a kilt wearer, unfortunately. Yeah, no. It's... I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> you know what we need nowadays is a kilt wearing president. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, well, hey, maybe I the think... guy from Starbucks will wear one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just revealed my plan to run in, uh, you know, run next Hooray. year's election. I made a joke. On the, on the kilt platform. <laughs> Kilt in every home. Say, now that you made a joke, you can go. <laughs> yes, I'm out. Boost. Drop the mic. Snapcap fact number 669. In the game of Monopoly, the properties are named after streets in Atlantic City. I like that. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. I don't know I'm talking to at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still here. Okay. I'm not allowed to speak. I was heavily dependent on TK at that moment. I want to say true. I'm thinking back to like weird hobby of researching board game history and looking for old board games. <laughs> and they said that it wasn't? I cannot remember. I know I looked it up once, but it was so long ago. I'm going to say true. Like, like each square. <laughs> this is great. So each square... Ah, like some of them are not but, in Atlantic City, but some of them aren't properties because you have like the community chest, jail, and the railroads. See? Well, those would not be. Well, the They're question is, what so. is a property? Um, oh, I tell you what. So the utilities and the railroads, for our purposes here, are not considered properties. 
because you can't put houses or hotels on them. I thought they were separated by states. I'm I can't gonna, answer that. I'm going to stick with I'm pretty true. sure they're color-coordinated by states. God, I haven't played Monopoly in so long. Uh, I'm going to say false. All right. Talk to myself out of it. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so intense. And the answer is false. <gasps> oh, yay. Yes. <laughs> yes, I thought about things. All right, smog. so I already talked about how uh, properties only include those that you can actually put houses and and uh, hotels on, mm -hmm. okay? Um, however, of all the spaces on the board on which you can put houses and hotels, three of them are not streets. Um, number one, a street comes from the Latin via strata, which means paved road. Uh, boardwalk is not paved, ergo it is not a street. Um, it's also worth mentioning you can't drive down the boardwalk, so, you know, <laughs> there's that. Um, Marvin Gardens is a portmanteau of Margate City and Ventnor City. Uh, it is not a street. It is just a name of a neighborhood that happens to fall between those two cities and is outside of Atlantic City. And Park Place is actually named after a park, uh, which is w was located where Bally's Casino is currently located today. I'm winning. <laughs> the reason for those names is because of Ruth Hoskins, who was a woman who lived in Atlantic City. She owned a copy of a game called The Landlord's Game, which was the original Monopoly, using air quotes there, uh, which was invented by Lizzie McGee. And ultimately, Ruth uh, decided to use the streets that her friends lived on so that, you know, they would get a kick whenever they came over uh, to her house. And of course, the boardwalk. Baby Ruth. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Snapcat fact number 469. 454 U.S. dollar bills weigh exactly one pound. 454 bills weigh one pound. Huh. U.S. dollar bills. I feel it's possible. I'm sorry, possible is not an option. I need true, false, or huh? I feel like it's very specific, and usually when like the snap caps get that way, then it's true. I, yeah, <laughs> I want to say true because it's it. I keep. I used to work at a gas station. I had to weigh money all the time, but I never actually looked at what each individual bill weighed. And now I'm kind of like, oh, I really wish I did. <laughs> I'm getting my handy dandy calculator out. Not really my handy dandy. Four hundred and fifty-four divided by one. Uh -uh. <laughs> 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 All right, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are just tuning in right now, CA is not herself. <laughs> Go, go back to a few oh more episodes. Get caught up. Don't make me laugh. I can hear it. Go back and listen to the best of. That, that'll take up an entire afternoon. Oh, yes. my God. Start at the beginning of January. <laughs> I'm going to true. Yeah, I'm going to say true. Not based on my Andy Danny. <laughs> All right. And the answer is false. Uh. <laughs> I tried so hard on that one. <laughs> so why why is it false? According to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, mm. all US bills, which includes the dollar, <laughs> weigh the same. Uh they weigh just under one gram. Uh. 
if you were to put 454 U.S. dollar bills together, they would weigh 453 grams, not 454, ah. which is a pound. I just want everyone to know I'm having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. Good trivia. I'll do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been prouder of myself. (laughs) (laughs) And especially just the, 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 you know, the handy dandy calculator just made that so much better. (laughs) I can't wait to listen to this later. That's going to be amazing. Um, I would like to point out that uh, the reason why it is false is because they use the word exactly. Exactly one pound would have to be exactly 454 grams, and because it's 453, thus it is false. Fun fact. In 1996, a study found that 79% of all American $1 bills in circulation at that time had traces of cocaine on them. I mean, those bills came from the 80s. Yeah. 94 to 95 was a good year for uh, some people. Snapcap fact number 459. A group of a dozen or more cows is called a flink. What? <laughs> what? A flink of cows? Yes. I mean, I've never heard that, anybody say anything that, about a Really? Well, I mean, that's a business of ferrets, so... That's about ferrets? No, the I'm saying they, they name stuff weird in groups. <laughs> oh. A group of ferrets is called a business. Uh, a flink? <laughs> it's a, it's a flink of cows over there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Why a flink? What does that even mean? I mean, uh, I'm not really good when they come up with these things. I feel. I'm gonna I'm gonna say true, yeah. and I'm gonna start using that if it's if it's true <laughs> everywhere. Check out those flink cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see true. Yeah, I'm not really good at these kinds of things. But yeah, true. I, I the, flink my cow. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is false. No. Oh, is it like they're a, a herd spook, of cows. Of cow. <laughs> we knew the answer. It's always a herd. <laughs> oh, my God. We knew Why it. would the first 11 cows be the herd and the other 12 be the flink? <laughs> I don't know naming conventions. <laughs> like uh, that's how I was thinking. It's like, wait, but why would it change? And then I was thinking, well, it's a. Oh you know, my god! I started thinking of all like the random animal groupings. Yeah. Like some of them, it's like there's if it's more than twelve, it's this. Oh, TK, but if it's less than, it's this. It's too late for us. <laughs> but who thought of the word flink? This was invented by the internet in 2002. It is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I would also Internet. like to mention that the unnamed T brand put the period in the wrong place. No, <laughs> this doesn't mean we win. Oh. <laughs> and finally, snap cap fact number eight one five: the name of the city we call Bangkok is one hundred and fifteen letters long in the Thai language. There's no way I would know this. It's that sounds false. Why does it sound false? Because that would be a lot of letters to write out every time you wanted to mail something to Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my cousin's in Bangkok. I want to write him a nice letter. So I taped it up. I'm putting it in the envelope. Uh, this envelope is not big enough for the city. Oh, no. I wrote over the stamp. <laughs> oh it's on God. the back of the envelope now. Oh, well, they'll figure it out. 
Then somebody named uh, Steve in Texas gets the letter. They go, I don't, I don't understand why he's telling about his aunt Jill and oh that she's going through another divorce. Who is this? How did this get here? It's a story. I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to beat myself. Oh. Uh, yeah, I feel, <laughs> now I'm picturing the letter with, <laughs> it's going to somebody's aunt. Um, yeah, I'll say false. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in TK's diatribe, I heard him say false as well, right? Right, false. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I'll go with TK on this one. And the answer is false. Yay. Oh, thank God. That's true. I feel so bad for anybody who's sending letters to Bangkok. CA, oh, no. I'm so sorry about what's about to happen here. Krung Thep Mahanakan Amut Rat Nakat Osin. What? Ma Inthere Uthera Maadi Lakfap Nap Paratrat Shafani Baruram. Udamrat, Aniwet, Mahasaathan. Why are you still talking? Amanfai, Manawat, Ansothfit. I had this down, I swear to God. <laughs> Wait, where did I? Ansothfit, Saka, Taf, Tayatwit, Nuk Pradasit. Is 168 <laughs> letters in English and 132 letters in Thai, and is officially recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest city name on the earth. <laughs> I don't think I got the whole thing. Can you say it again? <laughs> the city's name is now Bill. <laughs> Known wow. to the locals as Krung Thep because they don't bother with the rest. I'm sure. <laughs> is that what they put on their letters to their aunts? This is what's known as a ceremonial name. Oh. Uh, it means, in English, the city of angels, the great city, throne of the <laughs> Ratanakasan dynasty, the unconquerable city, repository of the nine precious gems, the most enjoyable city, abounding in an enormous royal palace that resembles heaven, where within resides those destined oh for the afterlife, <laughs> a city demanded by Indra and built by Vishnu. Well, there you go. That's intense. Bangkok was uh, the name of a uh, village that was full of Chinese immigrants uh, that was bulldozed to make, right, make way for the modern city of Krung Thep uh, in 1782. Uh, Bangkok is actually a portmanteau. Uh, it is of the two words bang and makok, which means village of plums. <laughs> uh, tell, is it like one of those uh, analogous names or did they actually grow plums there? <laughs> I believe that there are wild plums that grow in the area. Fun fact, uh, like most Catholics, Pablo Picasso also had a ceremonial name. It was Pablo Diego Jose Francisco de Paula Juan Nepomonseño Maria de los Remedios Cipriano de la Satisima Trinidad Ruiz e Picasso. Oh my god. Oh my god. A total oh. of 103 letters. It's too much. Wow. Everyone. Too much. That, like, could you imagine him writing his signature on official church, do church documents? No. <laughs> or if he moved to Bangkok and somebody tried to send him a letter? 
<laughs> it's like hey, I keep look, running look. out of ink. <laughs> it's like, look, I'm, they just look at their their page. They're like, look, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the apothecary and get like 50 more of these jars. You know what? Just tell them. Just make a, a, a assembly line. We'll pass down the empty jars. You guys pass me up a filled jar. And we have a tie. <laughs> Congratulations to the both of you. Huzzah. We are controlling transmission. And now it's time for What's in the Box? What's the box? The ongoing soap opera about one adventurer, two yaks, and 3,000 boxes. Everybody ready? Yeah. Ready. Having climbed your way out of the toxic dumping ground that lies at the base of the Dog Faces Ravine, you hoist yourself atop the wooden dock you saw earlier and have a look around. The rickety wood planks of the dock are mounted to the wall of the ravine and continue about another 100 yards or so to the mouth of a cave. On your way to the cave's mouth, you gather up several useful items of discarded fishing gear, old netting ropes and baiting hooks, and broken pieces of a fishing rod clearly made by humans. Peering into the cave, you see that while the diminutive size of the dog-faced creatures would feel right at home in such a tunnel, your larger human form is going to have a problem operating in this tightly enclosed space. Getting down on all fours, you begin the long crawl into the dog-faced subterranean abode. You stumble over pebbles and squeeze between boulders, all the while wiping slimy cave water from the back of your neck. After what seems like an eternity, the tunnel empties into a more spacious cavern. Through the center of the cavern runs a narrow gorge. The gorge is too wide to jump across, and at the bottom you see a similar, although significantly more noxious, stream of green slime uh, to the one that you met earlier. Traversing the span is an old rope bridge, the floor of which is made from thick, heavy birch half-logs. Unwilling to take your chances with whatever horrible creatures might be living in the goo, the only way forward is across the bridge. But there's a problem. On the far side of the gorge are two dog-faced creatures standing guard. Due to the rock that you're hiding behind, there's no chance that they can see you at the moment. But you know that the second you step out on top of the bridge, you're definitely going to be spotted. And without any supplies or good weapons, you'll also be a sitting duck for their sleeping arrows. That's when you get creative. Using the discarded fishing supplies you found earlier, you fashion several makeshift grappling hooks and tie them to yourself. These will allow you to suspend yourself from the bottom of the bridge and slowly work your way over to the far side of the gorge. You climb over the edge of the gorge out of eyesight of the guards and shimmy your way to the bridge. Achingly slowly, you move each grappling hook from one birch log to another inching your way across to the other side. But you are still incredibly weak from your earlier trials, and you find yourself resting in the middle, doing everything you can to shake out the exhaustion in your arms. And that's when you see it. At the foot of the bridge, just below where the posted guards are bobbing around doing nothing, you see a barrel afloat in the slime. Enthralled by the opportunity to open yet another box, you resume your crossing with renewed vigor and silently return to a bipedal stance on some rocks just below the guards. The box is large enough that you have no hope of hoisting it to your position without drawing attention to yourself. 
However, there's no reason why you can't just reach down and unhook the lid. After all, if it's a float, by definition, whatever is in it has to be dry. My question for you is this. What's in the box? What's in the box? I got the perfect item that's in the box. Ooh. Oh. Inside, you see a amulet. And the amulet is... Uh, looks like it's stone in nature. But it has multifaceted jewels on it that are all pulsing dully. Pulsing jewels. Do they sound musical at all? They do not. And you said that it's made out of stone? It is made out of stone. So it does it have, like, links? Like a chain? It does. There's a chain that runs through the middle. Oh, that's badass. <laughs> Nothing says I could bench press you like a giant chain made out of stones. <laughs> now, that's very interesting to me because... Theoretically, if you were going to do a stone chain, you would have to like carve the link and then carve the next link within that link, which would require a significant amount of artisanship. Yes. This is very in-depth. <laughs> it, yes. it, it would take a lot of work, specialty tools, or a god making it. You're, you're setting the bar high, TK. I love it. This is great. <laughs> All right. So um, about how many jewels are in this thing? There are eight jewels. Eight jewels. And uh, so if I, uh, let's say, rub them. Uh, do I? Does, that, does anything happen jewels? to me? Uh, no, not when you rub them. It, it just kind of takes some dirt off. You know, you're oh, dusting man. it up a bit. Do I have to sing to the jewels? <laughs> no, singing will not affect the jewels. But if oh. you pick it up, you may notice something. I pick it up. When you pick up the amulet, the bottom jewel, which is kind of a pinkish red color, okay, emanates this bright, blinding light, and you see yourself in a kingdom. No, this is so funny because the object I made is almost exactly like TK. <laughs> it's hilarious. Dueling stone necklaces. <laughs> Who would have seen it coming? <laughs> this is going to be a ratings bonanza. <laughs> what? Two necklaces and a one necklace. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like TK, is there such a thing as a non-pinkish red? <laughs> <laughs> it was more like a hue. <laughs> A pinkish hue? Yes, a, a, a rosy glow. It looks almost like uh, the stone itself is pink, but there's a red stripe going across it, like gotcha. a lightning bolt. That I can accept. <laughs> All right, so now I see this kingdom. Uh, do I feel like I'm in the kingdom, like I've been teleported somewhere? Uh, you look, feel like you could step right into the kingdom. I refuse to take a step. I'm standing on the edge of a gooey uh, river. Gooey <laughs> <laughs> river. <laughs> when you, when you look down, though, the, the river is gone. It's paved flagstone. Wait a minute. Oh, we have geez. to sing that song because that's one of the rare songs on this podcast that isn't copy protected. <laughs> you river. Longer than your slime. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so good. I'm sorry, TK. You were describing? Uh, uh, when you look down, there's a cobblestone floor. But if you uh, rotate the necklace, you notice that the blue gem, it's a solid blue, navy blue, almost black. It shows you an industrial city. Am I shifting between the dimensions? Is that, is, are you showing me different uh, outcomes from history? 
Yes. Ooh. Where are you now, Grizz? (laughs) (laughs) This is the amulet of events. So if a a single event, it's like the butterfly effect, how a butterfly flaps its wings, causes a tsunami. But what if that butterfly didn't flap its wings? What would happen? Or if it only flapped one wing? This gives you the possibilities of action, inaction, or if you did something differently within that action, it shows you different outcomes of where you are, depending on what you've done. So technically, if I lost a kidney in one city, I could <laughs> potentially switch the gem to a different city where I had a kidney? Yes. This is good. I like this. Now, is it like current events, or it has to be like something that happened in that time that you're changing for the future? Uh, it could be anything. It could be like uh, someone threw a rock into the river in one world, and turns out that river had a Cthulhu monster in it that ate everyone. Oh. In the next world, they didn't throw the rock, and the monster never woke up, but they paved over it and built a giant shopping mall that it now works at the uh, you know juice stand. It's interesting because you could always change, like if you didn't like what happened, you could just go to another city. Oh, you could build, you should build a place in each city. And then when you just, you know, shit gets real, just go to another timeline. (laughs) (laughs) You people suck. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, much better. Stinky would love the boop. (laughs) this is one of those items that i i made for my campaign is like oh i should put this in the next supplement i make like i'm gonna every gm in the world will hate me just because it makes them think more yeah right (laughs) no actually you could just replay the same thing over and over again every week you just change over to another dimension and you all the same npcs are there (laughs) it's like well this dimension uh Grognar didn't kill the Elf Maiden, and this one he did, and this one they got married, and this one, we're not really sure what happened here. I mean, everyone kind of looks like goblinoids, and they're all obsessed with something called uh, Facebook. Oh my god, this is like Groundhog Day, but you were in charge. (laughs) I don't think we should have this kind of power. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. (laughs) No, no. So wait, if Griswick's if you were to die, then I could just take it back. That's right. <laughs> uh, you have a book that you can write laws into. It just ages you a year every word you write, <laughs> or every letter you so write. So you're right, Grizzwicks can never die? You shift over to another dimension. I'm not a know-it-all prick. Wait, can I write <laughs> that Grizzwicks can never die? It would age you a year for each time you write it, but then also there's the Well, I skull, feel like I only which... have to write that once. <laughs> yeah, the, the, or for each letter you write, you age a year. But then you have the skull that can restore youth, too, so... The Thread Raiders have decided that I'm an internet construct, so it is distinctly <laughs> possible that I might not die. I mean, I'm for a while. I'm willing to sacrifice a year of my life to make Griswicks never die. What are you going to do? Unplug all the computers from the internet? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, internet dies. You're like, what happened? Look, someone turned Griswicks off. Aww. <laughs> we don't really know what happened. <laughs> All right, CA, what's in your box? No, it's not as exciting. Of course it is. It's exactly the same, except no. for a little <laughs> So in the box, you see, Wait, yeah, how right. big is this? How big is this box? <laughs> it's a barrel. A barrel box. Like a pickle barrel. You know what? You know when you used to go to the deli and they used to have pickles there. <laughs> uh, I miss those days. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> now TK has to go to a meeting. 
<laughs> Damn, I said pickle. And the pickle. <laughs> um, so inside the barrel is a seashell. <laughs> a conch or a uh, like a clam sort of shell? Like, it, well, it closes like a clam shell. Okay. Yes. Um, and there are pulsating veins on the outside of it that are Ooh. translucent. And on the inside of the veins, it looks like bubbling water. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up and turn it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> it appreciates you, but nothing happens. <laughs> is the other side similar? <laughs> yes, it is Good. blue, veiny, translucent. Thank you for checking on that, TK. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, what we should not do is we should not throw this into the river. It seems like a bad idea. Yeah, that's fast. He goes in the pocket. No. <laughs> Why? Can I drink? The, can I drink the water? What water? The water in the veins. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Is that what you want to do? You want to suck out the life force of the seashell? I eat clams all the time. Why is this weird? I don't understand why this gonna, is weird. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right, so uh, I'm gonna hand it to Grizz. Are you uh, have a field day? Um. Suck my shell. This is terrible. <laughs> I in general, I didn't. You know, I wasn't gonna destroy this thing immediately in my possession. I How do you just know thinking aloud is all. You don't know. Oh no. Um. So you stabbed the seashell. <laughs> no, I don't person. stab the seashell. <laughs> yeah, I would well, never. How would do you that. like to? Do I speak? The veins of I your ask shell. him. I say, listen. Are you? Uh, del- are you? Will you quench my thirst? <laughs> Here, I'll go cut you, bitch. That's what you hear. Motherfucker! <laughs> 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 All right. So, um, obviously, this thing is uh, violent. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Throw me in the river. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what I'm gonna do? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna step into the barrel, and I'm gonna. Th- I'm going to lop it into the river <laughs> and then duck into the barrel. TK starts drifting away from the, <laughs> from the edge. I just picture TK in this barrel. It's hilarious. I hope that clam feeds you for a long time because it's going to be a, a, a hot minute before you get back to the coast. <laughs> uh, I figure you know, I'm going to go like Niagara Falls, just go over yeah. the river. <laughs> So when you throw it into the river, it blows up to a very large size and opens up, and inside is like little seating arrangements. Good, that's what I wanted—a bigger version of the violent <laughs> clam. <laughs> Gonna paddle my way back with, uh, you know, whatever I can find. <laughs> like so, um, the clam talks, wants to cut us, and has seats. You can actually hear his veins is. Mm, yes, at this point you can because he's much larger now. Yeah. Yes. All right, I take on the raging clam. (laughs) (laughs) So you're getting in the clam? (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) What's the worst you could do? Kill me? Are you going to TK with your barrel? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to tie off the barrel. I'm going to climb into the clam. I'm going to keep one hand on my knife. Like, look, clam, I don't like you and you don't like me. Let's not make this weird. (laughs) <laughs> so you're you're in it now or you have one arm out yep i i am in the clam <laughs> okay so he's in the clam with a barrel <laughs> fun <laughs> so it snaps shut and then you you feel it start to shake 
and but you guys on the inside you just feel like the, the rumbling and that's it but from the outside it's spinning around at a very fast pace and it burrows into the river and then actually burrows a hole in the bottom of the river and keeps going until it gets to the center of the world dun, dun, dun. Huh. And when it opens up um, you see what looks like to be <laughs> conveniently enough a city <laughs> um, made of sand so it's basically like sand castles of giant proportion first of all way to train my story okay <laughs> <laughs> we are screwed we are not getting back for the yaks and for a long time uh, no. I was like huh I hope we get to deposit back on Molly and Minnie Mall. Tune in to episode 172 where we finally climb our way back out of the center of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, as the clam was making all that noise, I was reminded of that TV commercial where the kid asked the guy for his Doritos and then puts them in the box and it says time machine written on the side. (laughs) I totally expected the clam to just spit us out and be like, ha ha. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, are we going to go to space now and the claim's going to open up? They're like, well, you can't breathe in space, bitches. Like, <laughs> space, why didn't I think about that? <laughs> My meds are wearing off. <laughs> It'll be next week where CA kills us all. Stay tuned. <laughs> For continuity purposes, I jump out of the clam right before he burrows uh, through the planet. You can't, it's shut. No, I I wiggle. I'm very wiggly. <laughs> I'm covered in clam juice. I just boop right up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going along for the ride, and you're like, uh, well, there's a giant hole up there. Well, you do have an object to change time frames, so it can't <laughs> no, really I, be that bad. Chris has that. I I lick oh, the no. edge of the clamshell and then just kind of like squeeze my way out. It's You've just saved. You well lubed clam. Oh, I, have, I, have a, I have an unending barrel of good mashed potatoes or the sack, so oh, you know I won't starve. That happened. Oh. <laughs> Who won, Grizz? Who won? With the stone amulet of psychiatry, TK wins. Yay! <laughs> Woo! Good job. Anytime you bend the laws of physics, you're tugging at my heartstrings, yeah. buddy. Oh, I knew I lost. <laughs> All right, so let's burn through our uh, list of things that are coming up this week. First of all, TK, do you have anything coming up in terms of uh, your many, many uh, broadcasts? Uh, or are you off this week? week? Uh, next week, we were still, we returned to Raiders of the Galaxy. Nice. I think that is about it. Okay. So we'll, we'll be coming back every week or? Uh, every other week cause I, on... Uh, off Tuesdays, I run a offline or run a non-streamed uh, supernatural game. Cool. It's with a bunch of people who stream all the time. We're like, we all need a game where we're not streaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only have two announcements. Uh, number one is that the Stink Razor is coming up. Yay! Uh, th- this is going to be a two-day charity event on February the twenty-third and twenty-fourth, twenty nineteen, uh, to support our friend Stink Rat Streams. Uh, who is a, a Twitch streamer uh, and uh, an excellent mini golfer. <laughs> and uh, Friday night, which is right before it begins, that's the 22nd. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will be running a stinky bingo game. Yay. Ah, stinky bingo. Be. Yes, it's so cute. Uh, it'll be an RPG theme. 
and there will be three winners and three prizes given out um, from, I'm not sure which D&D manual I'm going to choose yet, uh, but that will be one of the prizes and there's going to be dice and things like that. So it's $10 for a board. You can buy as many boards as you would like and it will be that night. It starts at 7.30 to about like 10. Uh, so you should come out and hang out with us. Um, you can make the donation right through the GoFundMe page, which we can link to this podcast episode. Um, and then just make sure that you memo with your donation that you would like a bingo card and then i can reach out to you and give it to you there be sure to boop the free space yes and then during the week uh, so maddie games has some things planned um new wild he also has some stuff tk you're going to be streaming i'll be there so we'll be on the 8th we'll be a streaming uh 1920s call of cthulhu Mm mm-hmm and then on the 24th, Welcome Party RPG is dedicating their streams for the day for Stinky as well. So uh, definitely go out to their channel. They have a Discord also. If you go to Welcome Party RPG on Twitter, you can find um, they have it pinned to their profile, their Discord channel, and their Twitch channel. So if you want to come out and see that and make some donations, that would be great too. And then uh, August 1st through the 4th is Gen Con. Uh, we don't have too many uh, details about this yet because it is still very early. However, if you're interested in meeting up with us at uh, Gen Con, now is the time to start booking for tickets and hotel rooms and things like that. So we figured we'd mention it. Yes, if I'm not dead, I will be there. <laughs> um, there's a, a couple of Thread Readers going this year, so I can't wait to meet everyone. Uh, if you want to hang out with us, uh, come say hi. Uh, definitely do that. We would love to hang out with you too. And then finally, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Tabletop Loot. Uh, if you use the code THREADRAIDERS at checkout, you can receive a 15% discount off of your order. And to our second sponsor, Founders Coffee. If you're looking for a great cup of coffee in the morning, you want to check mm-hmm. out their patriotic blends. We would also like to mention that we are now part of the Empire Steel Podcast Network. Uh, you should go and check them out. They've got great shows like Arc City. And uh, us now. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, between us and Arc City, though, it's really tough to decide <laughs> which I like more. I mean, I like us, but. You never have to choose. Just listen like to them both. both. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And give both five star reviews on iTunes. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a tweet. We would really appreciate the help to spread the word. And for more information on the Thread Raiders, you can go to threadraiders.com, where we have links to all of our social media properties, including Twitter, Discord, etc., etc., etc. 